Welcome to the Have You Ever Podcast. My name is Michael Nielsen, a fitness enthusiast, lifelong learner who is always asking questions. Each week I will dive into topics you've always wanted to know more about, but never had the courage to explore. Thanks for spending time with me today. Now let's jump into your weekly dose of Have You Ever. This week I'm speaking with Rainy McNally on the topic of men's mental health. Mental health is such an important topic and one that needs to be talked about more openly. In this episode, Randy opens up about his mental health struggles and how he overcame multiple traumatic events. Highlights of today's episode include why men have a harder time seeking help with their mental health struggles, and Randy shares strategies and resources he has found useful for those who are currently struggling. Here is Randy McNally on men's mental health. Welcome back, everyone, to the Have You Ever podcast. Today, I am joined with Randy McNally. Randy, thanks so much for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm really glad we can have this conversation about mental health, but specifically men's mental health. You know, not many guys tend to want to talk about this topic, so thank you for sharing your story with me and my listeners. So, Randy, yeah. well, why don't you uh, tell me and our listeners a little bit about your background? Um, so... Mainly the mental health stuff came from when I was driving a city bus. I mean, it was a pretty intense job as it was. Um, I mean, you were getting up at 3.30. You were working like 12 to 14 hour days. So it was exhausting in that sense. And you're dealing with the public and you're dealing with all kinds of members of the public from, you know, doctors and nurses to people who are struggling to make ends meet, basically. and you know, they're trying to just get by on a ride. So you're dealing with people all over the spectrum and it made it challenging to really not understand where they're coming from, but just how people are going to react to what you're doing. And sometimes it would be the nurse that's screaming at you because you hit the brakes too hard, but I hit the brakes too hard because a car cut me off and I'm trying to avoid getting into an accident. And sometimes it would be the person where, you know, their transfers expired and you're questioning them on it and they're just going berate on you. So it, it mainly the issue started for me was my son was born in 2015 and I had just come back. I think it was my first or second shift back after he was born. And I was doing a run where I only had one washroom on the whole run and it was downtown Hamilton. And in order to get there, I had to cross Main Street, walk half a city block, and then go up to the second floor of the building to use the washroom. So it was probably 11 o'clock in the morning. I started at 4.30. I hadn't used the washroom. So when I got downtown, I asked everybody on the bus if they were getting off or stopping. I let them know that I was leaving. And then most people have their headphones in. They ignore you. And there's only so much you can do. So I went to the washroom. I was gone. I came back. So I'm probably gone for like seven or eight minutes at this point. And as I was walking back across the street, a guy on the bus met me in the middle of Main Street, screaming at me that I got off the bus to use the washroom. So we're face to face in the middle of Main Street in downtown Hamilton with traffic coming. And I'm thinking, this is insane. Like, this is so crazy. Get off the road, walk back to my bus. And the guy comes to the door 
and says, I know exactly who you are. The next time I see you, I'm going to pull you off the bus and kill you. And that honestly changed everything for me. I don't know if it was because my son was just born. I don't know if it was just a buildup of everything, but it just triggered something. Um, I completely like blacked out, not like dropped down, but like my adrenaline went so high in that moment. I don't remember anything that happened after that. All I remember is kind of coming to with nobody on the bus, um, just sitting there with an inspector, like one of the like supervisors on the bus with me. And it just so just drained of energy. Um, so I took a couple days off then. And one of the big problems I found with that was there was no offer of mental help from my workplace at that time. No, hey, do you want to talk to anybody? Are you okay? It was just, you're coming to work tomorrow, right? And at that point, it was just to suck it up and go to work. Like that was just the mentality. That was a lot of the old school mentality with the drivers that had been there for like 20 years too. It was, yeah, people say stuff, just suck it up and go to work and whatever. And after that day, I started looking at people differently. So they'd get on the bus and I would really look at them like, what are they going to do? What are they doing? I was constantly judging people. And I knew that I shouldn't be doing that. And in my head, I'm like, why are you judging this person? They've done nothing to you. You've never even met them before. But every person that came to the bus, I was casting judgment on them. And then it was in 2017. I had a girl get on my bus on a Saturday morning or a Sunday morning. And she had like a quarter of a transfer, like just a little piece of a transfer. And she got on the bus and all I said was, Whoa, that's, that's not a real transfer. And she turned to me and she goes, I'm going to split your throat. And then she just walked casually to the back of the bus and just sat down. Like literally nothing happened. And I was like, like, what is going on? So I just, I'm obviously, I'm like, I'm not, driving this bus anymore. Like I refuse to drive. They always told us don't leave the bus in situations like that. Stay on the bus. So I'm on the bus. I'm hitting like the emergency call button. They're not calling me back. They finally call me back and they just treated it like it was so nonchalant that somebody just threatened to kill me. And she was in the back of the bus. Now she's fighting with other passengers and she's reaching through her bag. So now other people got up and they formed like a human shield basically between me and this passenger and she's screaming over the radio. They can hear her screaming. I'm going to slit your throat. I'm going to slit your throat. And it, again, it was another one of those like almost blackout. Like I don't even fully remember my adrenaline was going so full. And at um, this point you actually think she's going to slit your throat. Yeah, especially when she's like rifling through her bag. Like, I don't know what's going on, like what kind of state of mind she's in. So I remember the cop pulls up and she runs out the back door and she jumps into a taxi. So I'm like yelling at the cop. She's in the taxi. She's in the taxi and the cop chases her down. They arrest her out of the taxi. My supervisor shows up and the first question was, you're good to go? And Again, it was like, she didn't touch me. She didn't do anything to me. Like, what what can I say? And there's these people that have been waiting on the bus for 20 minutes dealing with this. How can I now tell them that I'm not driving you? 
to your next destination. And the next bus will be here in like 45 minutes, you know? So you, you kind of feel like a guilt, almost like that too. Like a lot of stress is just piling on your shoulder kind of a thing. Yeah. And, and the, you just think like, just, just drive, like just get your day over with and go home and deal with it. And so you drive and all the passengers are like apologizing for the, that passenger. And so I finished my shift and the supervisor comes to talk to me and they told the cops, they don't want to press charges. So I tried calling the cops and they told me that because I don't own the vehicle and it was like this whole long reason, basically they weren't going to charge her because they figured it wasn't going to go anywhere. So because they didn't charge her, they didn't ban her from the buses. And maybe two weeks later, I pull up to a bus stop. There's probably 25 people at this bus stop and she's there. So it's rush hour. I'm on like one of the busiest routes in Hamilton and now I'm like in a panic. Do I call her out and tell her she's not coming on the bus or do I just let it go? And then maybe she doesn't recognize me and just do my job and try to avoid confrontation. So she got on the bus and I was driving down the road and I remember not looking at the road. I was looking at the rear view mirror in the bus to the point where people were ringing the bell. I was missing stops. I was driving by people at stops. I remember like running through a red light and I was just so overwhelmed with everything. And that was the first time I took time off. So I like, I went and talked to somebody about it, um, but it was very brief. It was like a one or two session kind of thing. And in talking to other drivers, the mentality was just go back to work, just suck it up and go back to work. So I did. But after that, Second time that she got on the bus, it changed me again to the point where I found myself now in public judging people. I'd be at the grocery store wearing, you know, like a leaf hat and the guy in front of me would turn around and say like, oh, big game tonight. And my response would be, please don't talk to me. And then go home and just be mentally exhausted that I have to go into public and deal with these people and talk to people. And they're just members of the public getting bread and milk, probably for their kids. Like I'm getting bread and milk for my kids, just making friendly conversation. And my initial thought was this person's a bad person. And then in 2018, or maybe the very end of 2017, it was right before Christmas time, snowstorm driving through downtown Hamilton and a guy in a bike just pulled out in front of my bus. I hit the brakes, the bus skid and ran him over. And he, I don't know how he got up and walked away. And that just like brought me, I was just a mess from that. And uh, I thought he was dead for sure. Like I hopped off the bus and he was pulling himself out from under the bus and my supervisor came. They didn't call the police. They didn't call an ambulance. They just turned to the guy and said, are you okay? He said, I think so. And they said, okay, have a good one. And then they turned to me and they said, you can keep driving. And that point I said, no, I can't keep driving. I took more time off at that point. And, but again, I didn't talk to anybody. I kind of just let myself unwind, relax, enjoy Christmas. And then went back to work. And when I went back to work, so now I'm looking at 
the passengers. I'm looking at the people on the sidewalk. I'm looking at the cars on the road. Now I'm looking at people on bikes. And everything was just so hyper-focused that I couldn't pay attention to anything. I was paying attention to everything and nothing at the same time, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, And I would go home and just crash, like sit on the couch. And within 10 minutes, my body would just shut down and I would just crash. And then it was right before I was supposed to go to work on the next day. And I was sitting on the couch at like eight o'clock at night, hyperventilating, thinking about going back to work the next day. And my wife told me, you can't live like this anymore. Like you're going to ruin yourself or your relationship with your kids or your marriage. Like you can't live like this. This is not healthy. So I, I called in and when I called and they asked me why I'm booking off, I didn't know what to say. And I said, mental health. And that was the first time that I said that. And it was just like, it's okay to feel this way. Um, And then it went through like the, like workers comp kind of thing. They put me in touch with like a therapist that I worked with uh, once a week for a year and a half to go back to work. And through those sessions realized I can't drive a bus anymore. And that was also stressful because I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know where my path was going to go. All I knew was I can't go back to drive a bus and I don't know what my future career looks like. And I, I, you know, the job market's just so intense and crazy and hard. You know, the, the bus is a good paying job. It's a great job benefits and everything too. So you have to kind of find something equivalent to pay your mortgage and everything like that. So that was just more stress. Like I didn't there, I went weeks without sleeping. I'd sleep like an hour a night and my anxiety was just so bad, but, um, working with the therapist, we got through that too. And just talking to somebody, trying out techniques and being open to the techniques really helped. So what would you say were some of those warning signs that you had that you knew something wasn't right, that you knew you had to find some kind of help? One would be, I think, the hyper-focus, where at the end of the day, I couldn't really remember what I was doing because I was so hyper-focused on everything around me. So I would get home and I would think about my day at work, and I couldn't really remember anything that I did. So I didn't know if I was doing a good job or a bad job because I couldn't remember. Right. You'd kind of finish that route and wouldn't even remember whether it actually happened. Yeah, like it just seemed like all a blur. But at the end of the day, you'd be just so tired. You're like, that must have been a really hard day because I don't really remember. It was just such a grind to get through that shift. And then you would go home. I would go home and just sit on the couch and just crash and wake up the next day and be like, oh no, like it's it's time to go back today. And it just built and built and built. It was like a vicious snowball, really. So what kind of uh, work did this counselor help you with that kind of focus on your mental health and bring kind of some clarity to things? Uh, so one was that, you know, it's okay to feel that way. Like these are normal human reactions that people have to stuff. And that when something traumatic happens to you, it's okay to get to talk to somebody, talk your way through it, to open up and get the emotions out. And then, you know, I had four traumatic incidents that just built up over time. So that was one. 
And then one of the ways that we talked about it, so like playing hockey, for example, while I was going through this, I just couldn't control my emotions at hockey. And I also couldn't pay attention. So playing goalie, you know, somebody would come and shoot the puck at you and it wouldn't be a hard shot. It wouldn't be challenging and it would go in. And you just can't understand how it went in because you know, it wasn't a hard shot, but you're so focused on everything and focused on nothing at the same time. And it would go in and it would just be enraging. And then it would just, the anxiety would come out and then it would lead to like anger and frustration. And I would like break my stick. And, you know, I talked to her about that too. So we did something called emotional freedom tapping. Um, So basically what it was is when something like that happens and you, you realize that you're getting those feelings of anxiety or anger, it was mainly just to focus on what you're doing. So for me, it was rubbing like just under my pinky knuckle and just like breathing and telling myself, it's okay. That's okay. That's okay. And by doing that, it honestly helped. Like I can't explain it. It made the world of a difference to where I'd go to hockey and something bad would happen and the puck would be at the other end of the ice. And I'm standing in the net, like rubbing my finger through my gloves going like, it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And it worked. So once I realized that it worked in hockey, I started using it in everyday life and it honestly changed my life. It was like incredible. I totally recommend people look into it. It's called emotional freedom tapping or EFT. Um, there's different like pressure points that people use depending on what they want to do. But it, it honestly made such a difference for me. It was incredible. Well, it's great that you actually, you know, a lot of people, you know, hold these emotions in and don't want to talk to anyone about it. So besides the, you know, the mental anguish and stress that is caused by yet again, another Toronto Maple Leafs game seven first <laughs> round collapse. How are you doing today with everything? Uh, so today I'm amazing. I have three kids now. I got a new job. So I was actually moved out of the bus and I was put into a new office job. My workplace is fantastic. They treat mental health with like seriousness. They have a mental health rep directly in the office to talk to people, even just stressful days, just you know, busy days in the office. And they're making sure that everything's okay they've come out and said like, we don't want any of our staff to get burnt out, feel burnt out. You know, if you're feeling that way, let us know we can talk about it. We have people for you to talk to. So just the change of environment was also like, just not even night and day. It was like earth and outer space (laughs) where one, it was just, you can keep working, do your job. You can keep working, right? Just go, go, go. And the other one was like, we want to make sure that everything's okay. And we want to make sure that you're going to be here tomorrow and next week and next month and next year. So if, you know, if you need a day today or a couple days to figure it out, that's fine. We're going to catch up. We'll figure it out. People will fill in for you. We'll make it work. And I think that needs to be something that's in workplaces a lot too, is they need to realize that people, like people do get burnt out, no matter how much you love the job, you could have the best job in the world. You know, there's people, for example, there's people playing for the Maple Leafs that are literally living their dream job and they get burnt out 
And that's okay. And that's fine. And that's a normal thing to happen and experience. And everybody just needs that reset or that break sometimes before it builds and builds and builds and gets out of control. Why would you say that men in particular have a harder time seeking help with mental health issues? I think it's just an old school mentality, really. I think it's just the older generations. It was, you know, the guys just tough, suck it up kind of thing. And I think that's just been passed down through generations. That's really the only thing I can think about, really. Because even, you know, working for the bus, people that were just that next generation above me, they didn't want to get help. It was, no, I'll just deal with it. I'll just suck it up. I don't need to talk to anybody. But I found that once I did open up and tell people what I went through, a lot more people were interested in what I was saying. So hopefully by me opening up and talking, even if it helps one person realize that they just need to talk to somebody just to get something off their chest, just to get some stress and or anxiety out or whatever it may be, like it makes a big difference. And there's nothing wrong with talking to somebody. Everybody has feelings on everything. And if stuff's building up and there's an issue, there's no problem talking to somebody just to get it off your chest. And especially with a therapist, like it's all private, it's all confidential. Anything you say is just for you to get it off your chest and have somebody there to listen and listen to what you're saying and tell you how to deal with those emotions. Because a lot of time, though, they're not going to go away. Right. So when I'm driving a bus and I'm feeling these emotions where I don't want people to talk to me, just because I've told you that doesn't mean that's going to go away now. But having somebody there to talk to me and go, you know that this person in the grocery store is okay because you never met them. You have no issues with them, you know, and just make you rethink, reset your mind. I just think it's just so valuable. And I do think it's just a generational thing that was just passed down. Just keep your emotions in and suck it up and be tough and, if you're a guy, you know, don't cry, don't anything like that. And the world's changed. You know what I mean? Like everything's changed. So it's okay to let that stuff out and let it go. And that doesn't mean you're not, you're not tough or stronger. Um, I almost think it means you're almost stronger if you you can open up and get that stuff out and realize what you're dealing with. What's something that you would wanted to know at the start of this mental health journey? If you could have gone back in time, what would you want to know uh, to tell yourself? That when something traumatic happens, and those were very traumatic things, but even just something like, you know, if you were a retail worker and somebody comes in and screams at you, that's a traumatic experience. That's somebody that could be getting in your personal space that is making your adrenaline rise. That's traumatic. Some people, it's not going to bother them as much. But if you get that every day at like a retail store, it's going to build on you and you're going to start to look at the public differently. So when stuff like that happens, assess how it makes you feel. This is obviously coming from me personally. I'm not a professional. This is just how I've taken this. But um, like assess what happened. And if it's something that didn't bother you, then you're not going to think about it later. But if it's something that did bother you, the next day, you are going to think about that experience again. And next week, you're probably going to think about that experience again. Or you might tell somebody about that experience. And that's because 
it's built up in you and you're holding on to it. So just realizing you're holding on to something and you need to let it go. You know, with the, uh, the pandemic this last two years, mental health has been an effect on many different people and many different ages. So with everything that you've gone through and everything that you've learned, what are some good coping mechanisms or resources that you would suggest for someone who is struggling? Um, so for me, for example, too, the pandemic really was kind of tough. I was used to playing hockey a couple times a week or going golfing. So when they shut the golf courses down too, that was really a hard thing, especially now I'm working from home. So you're not seeing people or talking to people. So you're in your house all day. And then, you know, you do your bedtime routine with your kids, they go to bed and then you're kind of just in the house. You can't do anything. So one, I just think trying to find hobbies, stuff that you enjoy. And again, you know, playing sports was one for me that I couldn't really do. So I had to find other ways to do that. So I started doing more graphic design work. I kind of got into video games a lot more. So I think stuff like that and just Googling different types of techniques like that emotional freedom tapping, you know, there's lots of techniques out there Um, and just be open and willing to try them. I think is definitely one and reaching out to talk to somebody. If you really feel like you're in a funk and you can't get out of it. I mean, the best way is just to seek help from somebody. They're obviously professionals. They're going to have way more ideas on stuff you can do um, ways to get out of the funk for sure. There's probably hobbies and interests you have that you don't even realize you have and they get it out of you and they make you realize like, Hey, look into this, get into this. Go for walks. You know, maybe you want to do push-ups. Just, you know, just anything. So I think one is just talking to somebody, talking to a professional. That's what they're there for. And they're so good at what they do. And they can definitely help you with that. And I, I just think finding hobbies, finding ways to keep yourself occupied, stuff that you enjoy for sure. So Randy, what's one thing you want our listeners to get out of today's conversation? That it's okay to open up. It's okay to have these feelings. I think everybody has these feelings. Um, Some people probably don't let them out. I was one. I would just suck it up and take it home. And eventually it would just burst, you know, and you'd have an outburst. Um, So it's okay to have those feelings. It's okay to be anxious about stuff. You know, it's okay. Basically, that's the main thing is it's okay. And it doesn't make you less of a person. It doesn't make you weak to have these feelings. It doesn't make you weak to talk to somebody. It's, it's just, it's going to do good for you in the long run. And you'll be able to deal with stuff better. There'll be life situations that you never thought would come your way where stuff you've learned by talking to somebody is going to come into play there and you can deal with situations better. I just think, yeah, just, Getting it out, um, just talking to somebody, just opening up is just great. There's nothing wrong with it. It doesn't make you less of a person. Great. Hopefully uh, people can learn from you, uh, your example. Yeah. I mean, even if, if it helps one person realize to talk to somebody, that's one more person that will be able to deal with it. So, and I, I know personally, I've talked to people that have told me that they've reached out to get help themselves based on me telling them my story. So, you know, hopefully more people do. 
And just because you talk to somebody doesn't mean anything's wrong either. Like, I really think it's good to do like maintenance checkups, so to speak, you know, just once every couple of months or once every three months, just to talk to somebody, just anything that's on your mind, get it out. And, you know, if there's nothing major, it's just like, great, you're doing good. Have a good day. Keep working on it. And if there is something, it's like, hey, we can always talk about that more. So I just think just t- talking to somebody as much as possible, even even if you don't feel comfortable going to a therapist, talk to a friend, talk to anybody that's willing to listen. So before we wrap up, I have one last question I always love to ask all my guests. What's something you want to learn more about? And again, this does not have to be related to today's conversation. So I want to learn how to stay committed in the gym and put together a workout plan. Um, I've tried a couple times getting into the gym and I always just end up doing the same thing over and over and getting really bored and then almost embarrassed to go try other stuff at the gym. And I know that there's a lot of people like that too. So I know gyms are opening up soon. The COVID-15 has been real very real for me personally. So I want to learn how to put a workout plan together and really stay committed and focused and go to the gym. I just, I really want to get into it. Well, hopefully uh, once things uh, open up a little bit more, uh, we can all get out and be a little bit more motivated. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Randy, thank you so much for joining me today and thank you for this conversation. It was great. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. And uh, I hope, you know, if you, if anybody is feeling anything like that, just look for help. There's so many resources out there. Thanks, Randy. Thanks for tuning into the Have You Ever podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you like what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Do you have a topic you would like me to explore? I would love to hear from you. You can follow me on Instagram at haveyouever.podcast. Have a great day and stay curious.